This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. We're in the studios today at Nebraska Christian Schools, and joining us is Josh Casey, who is the youth pastor at the Grand Island Evangelical Free Church. Josh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, this morning you spoke to our students here at Nebraska Christian, our high school students, and we appreciate that. But before we get in talking about the message that you delivered, and our listeners will have the opportunity to listen to that message in a few moments, but I want to ask you a little bit about your youth ministry, what's going on there in Grand Island at the Free Church, maybe some of the activities you've involved the students with, and maybe something you're looking forward to in the group. Yeah, we've got a good crew this year for our youth group, and then Sunday school as well. It's a little different, but we've got a good number there. And then the students are jumping into a lot of the idea of exactly what this sermon is, is painting the big picture, focusing on the gospel, and really understanding what that is before we jump into a lot of the other things. The uh, the activities, as always, uh, need to reflect that, so we, we include that into everything. Um, but we're doing stuff like going out in the community and having service service nights uh, on Wednesdays uh, every so often. We're having uh, a ski trip coming up here in, in a couple weeks, New Year's Eve deal, and, and, and just some other things, just small activities throughout the, uh, throughout the community, uh, throughout the school here. Good, and we're hoping maybe some of your students will also join us for that No Compromise weekend in April 6th and 7th that Nebraska Christian Schools, FCA, and a lot of youth groups will be a part of here in Central City, and I know you and I have talked about that, and details are available at www.nocompromiseweekend.com. Dot org or just by calling Nebraska Christian Schools. Josh, I really thought the message that you brought this morning for our kids really helped them to clarify some things, and, and, and it also moved them from with a reading in Scripture and, and then also how to connect that through all of their subjects during the day. What have you seen from your students and from yourself when you do read the Bible, looking for Christ and the gospel throughout the entire, the entire book? I think that what we've seen as we've gone through, probably starting in August, really intentionally focusing in on this, and, and not just skimming over, oh, Christ is there, Christ is the gospel, and, and then assuming people know that, and, and then teaching you know, some other things, but really focusing on that as, you know, as, as the, uh, the lesson today is of, of first importance. It is where, where every story drives, that what we've seen is students understanding more fully what that is. I think J.D. Greer says that the, the gospel is not you know, the, uh, the diving board, but it is the pool. It is the pool we swim in, and, and what we need to do is, as we're reading scripture, as we're living our lives, we need to understand the depth of this pool that we are swimming in, the depth of the gospel, and, and, and where we are at in, as the analogy goes, in this pool. Where, where is our location in that? So what we've seen with students is slowly starting to get those, those pictures. I think over the last couple of weeks, we've even done some kind of quiz time things where we trace Scripture and say, when did this happen? When did that happen? And they're getting that biblical theology of, of salvation, and they can see it in different stories throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. And another thing that we're really seeing is that they're able to sort out that that there is justice of God and there is love in, in every story. It's not just that, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, God rains down justice. There is salvation for some, for those who obey. And and we can see through through many stories like that, that they're being really encouraged and starting to embrace this idea that, that God's full love and full justice is present always. Well, let's join Josh Casey with today's message. 
Well, we're going to talk about, kind of step back a little bit from just reading, you know, very detailed reading of Scripture here. We're going to, we're going to look at, at the big story. What is the big idea going on? And it's not even just like, what's going on in Corinthians or what's going on in the New Testament? We're going to go the whole thing. What is the big idea? I know in, in sports, which I've never been very good at at all, in music, I know we definitely had to, uh, to do that in, in acting and in all those kinds of things. There, there's always that time where, where it's, I think, a good team or a good performer does this, where they step back and they say, whoa, 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 what's the point? What are we trying to convey here? If it's a song, what is the feel of the song? What are we going for? This whole thing is moving here. If we're going for, I don't know, basketball, what is the goal? What are we doing here? Obviously to win, but how do we do this? We need to remind ourselves we're a team. We're doing this because when we get into, I don't know, the battle or we get into the, the song or we get into the performance, we, we kind of see things very limited. And so uh, when we read, uh, a lot of times, if you're like me, you read and you, and, you, and you think, oh, okay, so I'm just reading these five verses. Okay, what's going on here? All right, I've got that. And I forget oftentimes just to step back and say, what is, what is the big picture? What is, what is the big idea here? And there are times in Scripture where you really do need to cling on to that big idea because, because like Lot and his daughters, if we have the big picture, we can kind of see, oh, there's this story going along here. Or we, we see Jonah and we say, well, what's the point? Is it just someone, you know, getting swallowed by a fish and then they go to Nineveh after crying about it? Well, there's a bigger picture, and we step back, and we can make sense of a little bit more of these. So we'll jump into uh, to Scripture here. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. Now we would remind you, brothers, of the gospel preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures, that He was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas in the Twelve. I'll stop right there because that has exactly what we need for understanding this big picture. What does He say is of first importance? The Gospel. He says, I preach this to you. The Gospel is of first importance. Now, if you've read through 1 Corinthians or studied 1 Corinthians, you know that the Corinthian church was really weird. They, they, they kind of just missed the point uh, on a lot of things. And so when you read through 1 Corinthians, and even 2 Corinthians, there, there are a lot of instructions like, uh, do this, don't do this. There are a lot of things that says, don't do this, that we would think like, like we can't go to movies because that's in it. Like, why are you doing this in church? This is, this is weird. And he's saying, oh, well, don't do this. This is really, really bizarre. This is not what the church was designed for. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. But at this point here, he says, but there is one thing that is of first importance. And it's the gospel. And as we look at the gospel, we see that as we flush out what the gospel is, all of his do's and don'ts in, in, in First and Second Corinthians, and, and I would say even everything that Paul writes and everything in the New Testament and everything in the Old Testament flows from this, is that it's by the power and the justice of, of God that we do or don't do things. It's by the grace and love and mercy of God that we do and don't do things. And those are all wrapped up so beautifully in the gospel. So I want to step back here and look at the, the idea of the gospel. If the gospel is, is the main thing, is, if it is of first importance, then why do we read the entire Bible? Why don't we just read just a, a little bit? There's the part that, uh, you know, that has Jesus coming and you know, Romans is a really nice thing. I could get a little bit, a couple chapters out of there and I could really sum it up. Why don't we just focus on that and say, yeah, we're all sinners. 
and Christ died for our sins, and it's through faith alone that, that we can be justified. Why, why isn't that just the thing that we focus on? Why, why do we have to read all this other stuff? How many people do this now? Your teachers are going to act like they're closing their eyes right now, but how many before tests or, or, or essays have you had to like read something and you just read like, you skim it, and you're like, I just need to get the answers here? Or how many people at, at a, uh, I like how none of you raised your hand, you're all, you're all really good, you read every single word of every single book, I know. How many people have ever like got to a test and like, seriously, I read three chapters and there was a question on the first two paragraphs, I didn't have to read the rest of that, are you joking? Like there's no value to this book, I've done that a lot. I didn't understand, uh, what was it, the Scarlet Letter. It was so painful for me to read. But now, but now, like, later on, I'm like, that's beautiful. Every little bit has this. But at the time, I was like, this is so stupid. Or Shakespeare. How many people just absolutely love reading everything in Shakespeare? Okay, if you do, we need to talk because, oh, I shouldn't have pointed at you. You're going to get beat up now. You know, we could talk. I loved it as well, and I had to lay low. But it's, it's a painful thing if you don't like it. It's very, very painful to go through. So why then, if we apply that, that wonderful technique of studying where we skim things and we know that the first sentence of a paragraph gives the idea and then you can just skip to the next paragraph, why do we read things like, like the prophets? Why do we read stories like Jonah? Why do we read Revelation? Why do we read any of these other books that don't have this, this essential, like, Christ died for your sins? Well, I, I probably just like talked us into setting it up here. I'm teen, yeah, because... It actually is in the entire Bible. It actually is in, in, in everything that we read. It is of first importance. And so being of first importance, we can always go back to the gospel. It's not like you read Daniel and you don't get an expression of God's, God's incredible power. And you don't get an expression of, of God's incredible love. You do get that in Daniel. You do see that. And you see the movement of God's story flowing. And that's the, the big point is that there is this beautiful story of first importance that Christ died for our sins, that God is calling a people to Himself at such incredible costs, an incredible power, an incredible love, and that story is communicated from the get-go. Now, I want, I want to go very quickly. I'm a very spatial learner. I'm a, I, I need some help, actually. Now, I was here last time, and I used this rope. I'm so sorry. You guys think that I have like the rope maybe more than I have the Bible, but it communicates something, okay? So get ready. I'm not going to whip you. Someone asked if I was whipping if we didn't know verses. It could happen, but I'm gonna, at this point, I don't plan on it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to need two people. Could I have you just uh, right here? You're gonna be, you can sit right where you're at, and then we'll go all the way in the back. Could you hold the end of this? What's your name? Anthony. Anthony? All right, Anthony, that's great, because your name starts with an A. You are Alpha, and we've got Omega back here. Anyone with an O or a, I don't know. There we go. We'll go with that. Oh, this is, wow, this is beautiful. Okay. So, God is the Alpha Omega. He's the author of this story. Here, okay, for the sake of the analogy, just look at the parts between their hands. The other part isn't like the story fell apart of God. This is the plot of, of the story from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation and beyond. And this is the story going here. Now, I've got some fun things. I'm a horrible artist, but I'm going to try... Oh, this is terrible. So I, I just picked some random people, not so random. They're, they really helped me in communicating this. So I'm just going to walk down here and give you guys some people out uh, here. This is, uh, is going to be uh, Adam. Could I just have you hold that up? That's Adam from, from Genesis, okay? Obviously, I can't think of any other way to draw an apple than that. Thank you, Steve Jobs. We've got this. This is a horrible one. 
This is a horrible one. You want to be, uh, this is Abraham. That's, it, that's a staff. That really is a staff. I can't draw a sheep, and apparently I can't draw a staff. Just think candy cane, and I didn't get there anywhere close. Uh, we've got David, King David. Is that all right if you hold that one up? David, and then we get to uh, good old Isaiah. Isaiah, we'll just go here. Can I have you hold that one up as well? Okay, Peter, there are so many things to draw for Peter, but of course, the first thing I draw is him cutting an ear off. So, so I guess we're going with that one, and then can we go there? You're, you're John in Revelation on the uh, island vacation of uh, Patmos. I think that's what exile is like. It could be different and really, really painful. So we have all of these people, and, and, and if you look at it, sorry, I didn't explain this to you, we have the, the beginning of all things created. All things are flowing towards uh, beginning here, ending there. And as we move through the Bible, we see in, in Genesis, we have, we have Adam show up. And then, we have, and then we have Abraham show up. Then we get, and we zoom way ahead, and we get up to, to, uh, to David in, in, in Samuel and, and in the Kings. And then we move up further here to, uh, to Isaiah in Isaiah. And then we get to the New Testament, and we have Peter. And then, we, and then we get all the way to the end, and we have, we have John writing Revelation. These are things flowing in this story. There's a story that God is writing. But in this story, in the Gospel, we get this very clear reminder every time we look into a story. And it is that God is saying to each of these individuals, and all of the individuals, and this is what's communicated through the Gospel. He says, I am your God you are my people. I love you. Obey my commands. If we look at this, we can see God is calling people to himself. You guys can put those down, and when I call on you, then maybe pop it up here. So we have Adam. What, what, what happens? God says, I love you. I'm calling you to be my people. But out of incredible love and incredible power, he creates Adam and Eve. So you can put that down. And he says, you have a purpose. You have a purpose, and that's to reflect who I am. You are, you are designed to reflect my image. You are designed to have dominion over the earth as I have dominion over the earth. You are designed to be in communion with me because of the love I have for you. I'm calling you to be my people. But it does require some commands. It does require that you obey some things, not because I'm a dictator, uh, but, because, but because it is very practically the best way to live. It also is the best motive from which to live. To do things for God's sake is the best thing that we could ever do. And that is what is asked of Adam and Eve. It doesn't really work out. So we get to Abraham there with the horrible drawing. And, and what happens with, with Abraham? What does God say to Abraham? I mean, this one is, is, is very clear. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I am choosing you. I am calling you to be my people. I am calling you to bless other nations. So there's this incredible power there. What, is, what does Abraham have to have, though? He has to have faith, and he does. What does Abraham have to do? He has to obey, and he does. And so we see that this story is continuing. I am calling people to myself. It does require something, but I have done so much more through my power and through my love. We'll go very quickly through the rest of these. The next one is David. David, he says, I, I am calling you to be my people. I am actually establishing you. Someone in your line will be on the throne forever. Your kingdom will last forever. This is what God actually says to, to David. We move on to Isaiah, and we think that Isaiah maybe is just saying, you know, I, you guys don't get it. I'm going to punish you. There is love in there. There is hope in, in Isaiah's message. He's saying, you are my people. 
act that way. Live the holiness that I have. Reflect my image perfectly and, and wonderfully too, wherever you are, in, in all of your thoughts, in all of your lives. Continue to do these things. And all of these continue to point because they fail left and right. They continue to point to someone who is greater, a second Adam. They point to a second father, you know, Abraham, the father of all, a father of many. They point to a king in Christ. They point to a prophet that will come, that will, that will declare very powerfully. All of these are pointing to Jesus. So he's not just in Romans. He's not just in the Gospels. He's, he's, he's in all of this. They're all pointing to this. This story is the same And it may have different parts. It may have different elements to it. But this overriding story just continues to grow. And then we get to Christ Himself. And we see the fulfillment of all these things. And we see it then play out through... The next one was Peter. Is that right? Through Peter. We see it. We see Peter. Man, he is a loose cannon. But he's given the keys to the kingdom. He's he's told, on you I will build the church. What happens there? He says, the church. This is the first time that we hear the word the church in, in the Bible. And what happens there is God is saying, I have a people for myself. I have a people, and you are those people. You are the people, and you are to do things. And we see Peter and Paul and the other apostles going, going around and, and, and saying, here is what the church looks like. We were with Jesus, and he said, this is how it, it works. And the Holy Spirit comes in in the book of Acts, and he goes crazy. It says, you are a loved people by God. There is a way of, of living. There is a way of, of doing things. And then we get to, zooming all the way through that, all the way down to the end, the, uh, the island vacation at Patmos of, of John. Now, I don't think it was at all an island vacation, but the vision that, that John receives there is what we read in Revelation. And what do we get at the end of Revelation? At the very end of what we can read, of what God has, has revealed to us, we read that God is saying, I'm going to gather all of my people, and out of my power, I am going to restore all things. I'm going to make all things new. But out of my love, I will wipe away their tears. I will wipe away their pain. And we see this beautiful story of the Gospel. The Old Testament leading to Christ. The New Testament having Christ and then showing what that story is beyond. So we see from this plot line of of God, from the Alpha to the Omega, we see that before there was time, God had incredible justice and power. We also see that God had incredible love and mercy. And we see that flowing through the entire Bible, centering in Christ. Has anyone ever heard of this book? Uh, we have a daughter, and her, she's like three months old, and I've been just enjoying this thing. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Has anyone ever heard of this? It's fantastic. It's so wonderful. Because you read these kids' stories, and at the end, like the last paragraph is always like, but, you know, David was cool. Or, but, you know, the Exodus was great. But we're going to have someone better. And every single one of them says, but Jesus is so much better than this story. And it's, it's, if you don't have it, I mean, you feel childish just reading a, a kid's book. It's fantastic. If you wonder where God is or where Jesus is in any story in the Bible, it's like three pages long. And you can read this thing and be like, I didn't realize that this part of the Old Testament was actually pointing to Jesus. It's an amazing thing. I'd encourage you to read through or at a new year, if you do anything like reading through the Bible in a year, look for Jesus. Look for the gospel, forgiveness of sins. Uh, look for that as you read through the Bible. It's an incredible thing. I, I actually did that last year as I was reading through. I was blown away. I thought there would be like 
maybe like 15, 20, maybe 50 verses that talk about that in the Old Testament, there are so many more. There are stories, there are people, like the whole book of uh, Hosea. It's, it's amazing. So, so as you are reading, look at these things. The thing that I get from this is, is that each of the stories is, is essential on its own. Each of the stories in the Bible that we read, anything that we study, is really worth learning on its own. However, it's, it's not the full picture. It's as though the gospel is like a Christmas tree. Okay, Go with me on this one. It's like a Christmas tree. Okay? Uh, you, you get the Christmas tree, but you don't have the ornaments on it. The tree itself is the gospel. It is the framework that the whole Bible hinges on. It hangs on this idea of Christ. And it's the Christmas tree. Now we get a story of, we get a story of, let's go with, with Jacob. That's an ornament that we hang on that tree and we can see it in light of all the other things. We get a story of David and Goliath. We hang that on the tree. And we see that as we look at these things, we see, you know, Paul on the road to uh, Damascus. We hang that on the tree and we can see that behind all of these ornaments lies this gospel. It is the thing that's holding them together. Now, I'm sure at some point during Christmas you'll figure out how that analogy breaks down, but, but it's, it's, it's essential that, that we have the gospel as of first importance. And that's what it's saying here. Back to our text in, in 1 Corinthians 15.1-5. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And listen to how much the Old Testament is referred to here. That Christ died for our sins, what does it say? In accordance with Scripture. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. And then he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. Even in writing this, Paul understands this guy didn't just show up and change things. This has been the plan the whole way through. Paul understands this. So how do we apply this then to to life, to to every day? I think you guys are really in a a, a lucky spot where you do get to examine, so to speak, the the bulbs on the tree. You do get to examine those things every day at school. You you get to go through these things. Actually, our youth group has, I think I've counted, eight different high schools that go to our youth group. Yours is seriously the only one where it's okay to, to say, hey, wait a second, I think I made a connection in this, in any subject, not just simply reading the Bible. Like in math, say, wait, whoa, when it's described this way, in this, this story in the Bible, this math problem kind of connects here. I understand some more here. Or, or geography. When, you, when, you, when you're learning geography and you read that they go up to Jerusalem, and you're like, wait a second, we just learned about that. Jerusalem's actually on a hill. Now I understand why it says they go up to Jerusalem. You can actually sit and process through that stuff. You guys are in a very fortunate spot, and I don't want you to feel guilty like, oh, if I don't do that in class, I'm terrible. But you are in such a great environment where you can take your learning and you can apply it right to this plan. It is the greatest story that you could apply it to. And when you hang those ideas that you're learning in class, when you hang those ideas and interactions you have with friends and family on this story of the gospel and see how it does match up or at times doesn't match up and we need to get rid of those things with the gospel, you join this story. You're a part of it whether you want to be or not. This is the story of all things. But if you jump on this and you mesh things in this and you look at, at, at life and learning and relationships through this idea that there's ultimate power and truth and loyalty and justice and forgiveness and grace and mercy in Christ, and this is what's through the entire Bible, 
then it can really transform how we, how we approach knowledge, how we approach relationships, how we approach worship, how we approach life. So I'd encourage you to do those things. I'm not getting paid to tell you to think about that. I really believe that the Bible says that a, a life that isn't thought through, a life that isn't seen in light of this, is not the life that we were designed for. We are encouraged to be always focusing on this. If we don't, the Bible even says the rocks will cry out because, because God and His story are so incredible. God, we thank You so much for Your, for your power. We thank You that, that though You were perfect and perfectly holy before time began, that out of Your incredible love and Your incredible power, You brought mankind into existence. And though we continue to screw it up, the truth of the Gospel is there. And it's, and it's, it's always there. And, and You're always loving and you're always forgiving if we come to you uh, for that. We thank you so much that you have written the most beautiful story that could ever be written and that you have not just told it to us and not just included us in it, but you yourself are a part of the story you are writing. We thank you so much for this beauty that you give us. We pray that it changes our hearts and our minds to be more focused on you and more, uh, more passionate and in love with, with doing your will. In your name, amen. You've been listening to a message by Josh Casey, the youth pastor at the Grand Island Evangelical Free Church. And just as a reminder, I'd like to mention that we are hosting the No Compromise Weekend, which is coming up on April 6th and 7th at Central City Public School. It's a great youth conference. It brings in over 400 students from all over the state. The guest speakers this year will be Jack Hughes, a pastor from California, who's an outstanding conference speaker, and then assistant Nebraska football coach Ron Brown. All of our Husker fans know he's an outstanding speaker as well. In fact, we've got a clip of Ron Brown's message from last year's No Compromise conference. Let's listen to that right now. Goliath was in the way. Goliath got right in the way of the Israeli army and said, Boom! I'm here to stay. Bring it on. Philistines forever. Here we go. Bring your champion. I got, I'm the guy. Bring your champ. That's the only way he would fight. And the Israeli army didn't have a champion. They were all cowards. And why? Because they were born cowards. And they were living that way for God. But David showed up, and he lived differently. He lived differently. And among you right here, my big plea is there somebody here who will live differently. All things pertain to Christ. Everything. And call out that which is in opposition to the name of Christ. You've been listening to a clip of Ron Brown speaking at last year's No Compromise Weekend. For more information on this event in April, go to www.nocompromiseweekend.org or Call us here at Nebraska Christian Schools for more information. This event is a cooperative effort between the Fellowship of Christian Athletes of Nebraska and Nebraska Christian Schools and youth groups throughout the state. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Music